Well, you know, this is such a festive occasion, Alex. I brought my camera out here for this. You think these people would mind if I took a couple pictures? I think I think you should do it. They look great. I mean, you guys, you seniors look great. Everybody looks great. This is the first time that I've been standing on this stage, and you guys haven't been wearing a mask. This is the first time I've seen your faces in That's in right. months, in year, right? And so yeah. I, I got to, yeah, amen. <clears throat> so this is a momentous occasion. If you guys will just smile, wave at me, do something. I see you up there. All right, we're going to take your picture here. <laughs> I like that view. Oh, yeah. These things are great. We're going to watch this develop in the next few moments here, okay? All right, you guys, uh, you got to do better than that section, okay? Do something. Nice. All right, good. All right, see that? Well, you know, the sign. cool thing. They got a sign. Yeah, how about that? We got signs, graduates. There you go. Good job. Uh, I love that. I'm going to watch that develop. You know, Alex, the great thing about this, this camera really took off in, uh, when Polaroid got a hold of it and started to develop it in 1948. Um, it's really cool because these things later on, I see you up there. You guys wave. Okay, that's you. All right, you're all in this picture together. <laughs> Everyone gets their picture Everybody. Taken there you go. Thanks, Jay. I see you. All right. Um, the cool thing is that these pictures, we're going to see how this one turns out. Uh, these, these things, the, you know what the coolest thing, the reason these things started flying off the shelves in the 60s and 70s? I don't. Are you going to tell me why? I am, but I'm going to first take your picture. All right. Okay. <laughs> the reason is because you could get an instant photo of what you just took a picture of. I mean, in days prior to this camera coming out, guess what? Families would have to wait two weeks to send your film to the lab and get the pictures back. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd get my, my family to stay on top of Pike's Peak for two weeks waiting to see if the picture turned out to see if we should take another one, right? Absolutely not, no. Wouldn't it be great if we could take a picture of the decisions that we're making now and see how they turn out 5, 10, 20 years later as they develop? Unfortunately, we can't. Um, so my parents used to say, if you shake these, they develop faster. So I'm going to give oh, this I to you. I can't wait to see this. Yeah. Well, you, you go see if it develops and see Thank how it you. turns out. Thank All you, right. Alex, uh, for welcome. being here today. Thank and, you. And uh, let's give it up for Alex Anderson. That is my right hand. You guys, people who are near me know that. So very thankful for Alex and just her feeling called to student ministry here and, uh, and helping us in, in so many great ways. We're going to continue our series in following the life of David. Today we're talking about uh, some very tumultuous times in David's life. This isn't a passage of scripture that I would pick out and go, this is going to make great for a, a great morning devotion. Uh, in, in 2 Samuel chapters 13 through 18. So I thought we would look at this through the eyes. I don't know if you follow this account on social media, um, but I, I found this, if David's life through these chapters, if it were followed by a social media account. So here's what happens in these chapters as we see on this account. First of all, David's son Amnon forces Tamar into an inappropriate relationship. Hashtag no means no. And then... And then, Tamar's brother uh, Absalom, upon finding out, told her to keep quiet. Hashtag, see something, say something. And then Absalom commanded his men to strike down his brother. Uh, hashtag Amnon, hashtag family feud. And then David and Absalom become estranged and no longer talk to each other for several years. Hashtag, you mad, bro? And then Joab, the king's assistant, tries to trick Absalom, and Absalom figures it out and sets his field on fire. Hashtag slow burn, hashtag the empire strikes back. And after a number of years, David and Absalom are back on speaking terms. It's going so well, right? Absalom told King David, hey, my vow is to go into worship in Hebron. And so he blessed him to go and do that. Hashtag reunited. And then when things were going so well, 
A messenger tells King David, hey, Absalom has now gained a lot of supporters in Israel. David told his officials, hey, uh, we should flee with him because Absalom is going to completely overtake them. Hashtag get out of Dodge. And then David told Zadok, the priest, to take the Ark of God back to Jerusalem. Hashtag Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then David has fled Jerusalem He's, uh, because his son Absalom, his own son Absalom, wants to usurp his throne. And on the way out, he meets a steward of Mephibosheth that we talked about a few weeks ago uh, named Ziba. And Ziba has fresh donkeys and refreshments for the king and his people. And David thanks him and rewards him by giving him everything that Mephibosheth owned. Hashtag big winner, hashtag fast donkeys. And then David and his party reached the town of uh, Behurim, and, and a man named Shimei came out, cursed them, threw stones at them. Why? Uh, because he, as it turns out, he was a part of the clan of Saul, which King David replaced. Hashtag big outs, hashtag rolling stones. Uh, and then uh, Ahithophel gave Absalom advice to sleep with the concubines of his father. Hashtag just say no. Hashtag weird, right? Like, it's just over. And then David intended to lead his men into battle, but his followers knew it would be bad if David pitted himself against his own son, and so they asked him to stay and remain in the city while they went to battle. Hashtag go team, hashtag I'll be over here. And then finally, Absalom was not prepared for his father to, uh, to not be leading his own, therefore realizing that he's not going to ever defeat King David, therefore he put himself in harm's way, and Joab and his men took his life. Hashtag sad days. Now, I don't know about you, but these are tough times in David's life. Things are falling apart. This is the troubled heart that we read about in these chapters in 2 Samuel. And what we realize is that what happened for David to be experiencing these consequences now, what happened years before when he made the decisions that he's now reaping the consequences of? And the answer is that he took his eyes off the purpose that God had given him. He took his, his eyes off what God had called him to. Maybe it was because he wanted to be popular in other people's sight. Maybe it was because he wanted 100% comfort in 100% of the time. We don't know exactly, but we know his eyes fell off the purpose. You know, we can't let him see you fail, right? Francis Chan said this. He says, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. David lost his sense of purpose. He lost his calling. You ever see an object that is being used for the wrong reason? It's even better when you see someone else trying to use an object for the wrong reason, because why? They don't know what it is. At the beginning of this pandemic, do you remember the first time that we had to start wearing these? And like, we all struggle. Like, you're not going to admit it, nor will I. But at some points, we struggle with this mask. Like, does it go this way, this way, inside out? I mean, I saw people wearing it all and we saw people, right? You see pictures, like people wearing their mask wrong, whatever. You know, maybe someone had to pull you aside. That little bendy thing at the top, that goes on your nose, not under your chin. It's just, it's just hard, right? And so if you don't know the, the purpose of the thing, you're going to misuse the thing. Now, when I started my illustrious tackle football career in the fourth grade at Highlands Elementary School, we would practice in pads five days, and on Saturday mornings we had game, <clears throat> had games. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Loved being out there. Loved just, just, just hitting and, and having a good time. And so I was playing with a couple of my classmates on this team. It's called the Cowboys. And I've been a Cowboys fan ever since. You can pray for me. It's okay. Um, but we were playing late in the season. It was one of those December, very icy cold mornings in December. You know, all three of them that Florida has. And it was on one of those mornings. We're running up and down the field. We're kind of getting, we're, we're kind of getting drug up and down the field. Um, I was playing defense with my two classmates, and um, 
And so we came off, I mean, you know, like you're trying to run around on the field when like you're, you're sprinting all over the place and it's ice cold and your, your lungs are like on fire and you can hardly breathe. And so we finally, our defense, we come off the field and everybody just goes and plops down on the bench. Now during this time, we were all collecting uh, football cards made by the Topps Company. They make baseball and football cards, basketball cards, and we were collecting all those. So it was, it was kind of weird looking back on it, but at that time, Topps would take photographs of NFL players uh, and, and these moments and, and put them on these trading cards. And a lot of guys got their pictures taken when they had like an oxygen mask on. And it was just like this cool, like it's like an icy day in Chicago or Green Bay and like you got these big linemen that are throwing these oxygen things of mask over their faces and like the steam's coming off the rise and they look like gridiron great giants, right? And so this is kind of a thing. We all knew about this, right? And so uh, it was just kind of a cool looking type of uh, football card. So that day, that icy day, we're all struggling to breathe. We come, we land on the bench. And I look over at my friend CJ, who was the cousin of my classmate, uh, Ricky. And so we're all like, oh my gosh. Like, we're just like <sighs> trying to get a breath. And lungs on fire. CJ yells out. He's like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And, um, and I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to be in the moment, right? And so I, like, I grab the, the oxygen mask and I hand it to him. And he puts it over his face. He's like, <gasps> I said, just breathe a couple deep breaths. You'll be fine. Get, get back in rhythm, whatever. And uh, he starts breathing. I look at my friend. I tap my friend. I was like, look. And we just start dying laughing. And he's just breathing this in so deep and that kind of a thing. And then my friend Ricky sits down on the other side of him and sees us laughing at him. He's like, oh, hey, give me that. And he turns it upside down and puts it on. He starts taking a big, uh, deep inhale as well. And we're laughing because this is fourth grade tackle football. There are no oxygen tanks on the sideline, friends. What I did, I had picked up an athletic cup and handed it to CJ, <laughs> not an oxygen mask. Listen, I, I may not be good, but you want me on your team, all right? You want me on your team. Here's the thing, if we don't know the purpose of the thing, we're going to misuse the thing. If you don't know the purpose, <clears throat> as far as our lives are concerned, if we don't know the purpose of our life, we're going to just wander around and misuse the purpose of our life. You know. The thing that, that I think about is, is that if, if I don't know the purpose of the thing, don't go ask the thing. Here's a deep theological statement. If you don't know the purpose of the thing, go ask the creator of the thing, not the thing. Same thing with the purpose of our lives. If you don't know the purpose of your life, don't go ask other people. Go ask the one who created you. What you and I tend to do, what we tend to do is we, we run around, we ask everybody, hey, you're, you're a thing, I'm a thing, like, what, what do you think my thing is? I don't know, what, let me tell you what your thing is, okay? Do you, do, you like the, do you like my car? Do you like the way I'm dressed? Do you like my house? Do you like my, do you like my belt? Do you like my shoes? Do you like, do you like this? Am I doing this okay? Hey, am I valuable to us? Are we buddies? Are we okay? Do we fit in together? Like, what is these, all these things that we're asking and we're asking and we want you to, to just approve, approve, approve of us. And before long, before we know it, so many of us are, are without even realizing it, we're literally living for the approval of other people. Some people call it people-pleasing. And we're trying to, to find meaning in what other people think and the way that they make us feel about ourselves versus going to the Creator. Write this down. Living for the praise of people keeps you from the purposes of God. When we start to be consumed with what people think about us, we forget what God thinks about us. And let me just tell you, friend, he is madly in love with his creation. He loves you. He wants the best for you. He has a divine purpose waiting for your life. And he wants you to experience that each and every day. Now, our, our, our graduating seniors are here today getting ready to discover what the purpose for their life is. And I would say this, stock up on ramen noodles. 
That's my advice to you. And we've talked about this before because, you know, we talk about like when, when we're hungry, our appetite controls and directs what we eat and what we can stomach in the moment. And if our appetites are not curated, if our appetites are not trained to pursue the things of holiness, we will find ourselves making decisions just like David did that will cost us life-changing mistakes later. Be careful what you eat. As we're consumed with the approval of people, we won't be living for the purposes of God. There was a guy who did this in the Old Testament who kind of got it right. His name was Moses. And and the author of Hebrews in chapter 11 writes about Moses, and we're going to see in just a second. Let me just give you a a quick recap. Moses was a guy who was born into, into Hebrew slavery, but was adopted essentially into Pharaoh's family, which led to him the, the, the ability to live a life of royalty. But he didn't quite choose to go that way. That's right. He was a Hebrew slave, yet he was adopted into royalty. Here's here's what the the writer of of Hebrews says. It says, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He did what? He chose, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the temporary pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking at his reward. Why was they successful? Because he had his head up looking at his reward. You know, so many of us, we go through life, and you've seen a hundred fail videos online, right, of people staring down at their phones, scrolling, texting, doing all these things, and then those people end up running into doors. Those people end up falling into fountains in the mall. Those people like, end up running, walking into to traffic. Why? Because their heads are down. They're so worried about what everybody else is doing that they've taken their eyes off what God has called them to. And, and you and I need to be at, in a point of our lives where we recognize this very thing. And Moses did what David didn't do. He chose purpose over popularity. He chose calling over comfort. He chose obedience over obstinance and faithfulness over forfeiture. Now, for these next few minutes, I want to talk about that word purpose, especially to our, our, our graduating seniors who are, who are entering into this next chapter of life. So, purpose. You and I, when I say the word purpose, what do you think about? A lot of us like to think of like the big P purpose. Big P. Purpose, like Rob, this is, my purpose is I'm going to go out and I'm going to be, I'm going to become a doctor. I'm going to get in the medical field. I'm going to go find the, the cure for, for disease. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to be in law enforcement. All right, my, my big P purpose, oh, I'm going to go be a missionary. I'm going to be full-time ministry. I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to do all of these things. This is what God is calling me to do. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be a producer. I'm going to go teach dance, open up my own studio and teach dance. That's what God, big P purpose is calling me to. Those things are great. And we're going to get there in a few minutes. But what I want you to see right now is the little p. The little p purpose. What I mean by that is this. What is God calling me to, the little p purpose, in this moment? What is God calling me, lowercase p, purpose, in this situation? What is God calling me to in this moment, in this conversation, See, what these little P purpose means, it means being in tune with the Holy Spirit and going, yes, that's right, in this conversation, maybe all I'm supposed to do right now is offer this person some encouragement. Maybe what I'm supposed to do in this conversation over here, in this moment, my little P purpose is to be a voice of encouragement and to be a voice of hope and reason to this person. And, and when we're in tune with the Holy Spirit and we start to hear, you know what, the Holy Spirit's telling us, hey, you know what, you have the ability to meet the need of this person you're in conversation with, this person that you're dealing with. Those are the little P purpose moments. And when we start to do that, we start to see this. Huh. 
if I'm faithful with these little p purpose moments in my life that God has called me to, and I'm faithful with them, we'll start to see that God will entrust us with even some medium p purposes in our life. And then we'll start to see that as those develop, it'll turn into our big P purpose in life. Be encouraged by that today, especially for those that are about to walk out into this new. Focus on the little P moments. You're like, Rob, I'm 20. I'm just trying to get through my second round of college algebra. Like, I know, I know. It's hard. It's tough. Like, Rob, I'm, I'm just sitting in a cubicle all day. I don't know. I know. Those little P moments, you know what that is? That means maybe praying for that boss that gave you such a hard time last week. Rob, I've been teaching third grade for like six years now. I'm ready for something like, you know what? Be faithful, those little P purpose moments in your life. God has put you there for a reason. And what we'll notice and what we'll find is if we continue to do, as Paul told us in in Galatians, to, to continue to walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The more frequently we are walking by that Spirit, the more frequently we are in tune in with God in prayer, we're hearing the Holy Spirit, we're hearing God speak into our lives, the more we're doing that, we realize that all of a sudden we start stacking these small P purposes, which leads to medium-sized P purposes, which then suddenly we're passionate about something and we can't do anything else in life but what that big P purpose that God has placed on our life and what we are called to. This isn't something that we graduate. There's not a graduation ceremony. I'm sorry. We're not going to march you up here in cap and gown. Good job, Rob. Good job. You're graduating from your little peas today, going to the big peas. Tell you to turn your tassel, give you a little diploma. No, it's part of our growth process. It's part of our journey with God. That's, that's the cool thing about it is this is, this is a process. This isn't going to be an instant development. This is going to be something that God develops over time. That God's using me in more significant ways. What I want you to understand is that there is absolute power in knowing what our purpose is in life. Three things about, power, about, uh, about purpose. Knowing our purpose. First of all, purpose diminishes distractions. You and I, we get distracted sometimes. We fall into that comparison trap. You ever fall in that comparison trap? Whether you're looking at pictures online or you're hearing conversations, talking with people, and you're like, wow, I haven't. I haven't done that yet in my life. Man, my friends, they're already, they're already married. Man, I'm just trying to get through differential equations in this class. Like, what's up? Man, my, my, my friends are already, they're married. They have this house. They got this, man, I'm still in this entry-level job. My, everybody else is getting a promotion, and I'm still here. And we start comparison. We start doing that, that comparing thing. And that's the comparison trap. And we can't fall into that because God's got something bigger for us. And what I mean by that is this, is like, like we think that what we're doing is so small and God's like, oh, no, 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 you're just stacking peas. We're getting there. And what purpose does, having that, that sense of purpose does, it diminishes those distractions. Someone I love in the Old Testament that did this well was Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was, was doing what he, I mean, his heart was anguished. His heart was wrenched over the condition of the walls of his city. I mean, anguished. Here's a little alert moment. If, if you become so righteously angered, righteously passionate about something, take note. Students, take note. That might be where you're headed. That might be something that God has placed on your heart on purpose. That might be something that's leading to your big P purpose down the road. And what Nehemiah was doing was he had, he had a group of people. He, had, he was leading teams of people putting and rebuilding the wall, rebuilding the wall. He's up on the ladder and he's placing brick by brick, stone by stone, rebuilding the wall. And two enemies of God come to him Sambalat and Tobiah come to him and they say, Nehemiah, what you're doing is not going to work. You've got to stop. They were angry. 
You need to come down off that ladder and you need to go with us and you need to talk to our leader. You need to talk to our governor because what you're doing is not right. What you're doing is a pipe dream. It's never going to work. And I love what Nehemiah responds with, all right? And this is the Rob version, okay? So don't quote me, all right? This is the Rob version. He says, I ain't got time for that. Get behind me. That's just a distraction. How many of you, when you know for a, beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're living in the will of God, in the very center of God, you start to hear, right? The voices of discouragement, the voices of resistance, the voices of you can't do that, right? That's when you know you're doing something right. And Nehemiah is in this moment. And he's doing, he's being faithful. He's up there. He's stone by stone building. These people are like going, that's not going to work. You can't do that. And he's like, I ain't got time for that. I'm do, I have a purpose I ain't got time for that. God has called me to this. I'm doing what God has called me to. I'm doing the purpose that God has given me. Get behind me. No, you need to come down here and go talk. No, man, I ain't got time for that conversation. God has called me to this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to fulfill the purpose that God has on my life. Purpose diminishes distractions. Also, think about this. How many of you, um, there, there's power in purpose. Two, purpose propels us through the pain. I love, I love that word propel because it means we're, we're, it's forward motion. It's, it's motion that's not stopped. It's motion that's continuing. And, and sometimes that you and I, even through the pain, have to realize we've got to keep going. I look back at Moses' life. I compare that to David's life. One of them kept going. One of them failed. Purpose propels, propels us through the pain. And don't think, I want, you to, I want to encourage you this morning because don't think that you're the only one going through that pain. Our pathway to our purpose is going to be paved in pain. I know that's a lot of P's. I just had to do it. Our pathway to our purpose is paved in a lot of pain sometimes. And I want to encourage you today, if you're on your back, if you have fallen, and you think, man, I can't go on, get up. Keep your head up. Because you know what? Because God has gone before us. These guys have gone before. You think it was easy? You're not the only one. It, was, it wasn't easy for Moses. It wasn't easy for David. It wasn't easy for Esther. It wasn't easy for Mary. And it certainly wasn't easy for Jesus. But they kept their head up. And they picked themselves up and they marched forward through the pain. They were, their purpose, knowing what their purpose was, propelled them. Remember what it said about Moses? He kept the reward in sight. God uses that to propel us for David, you can almost see it, it, is, it is thought that when he was fleeing from his son Absalom, it, it is highly thought that he wrote, that's when he wrote Psalm 3. And I want, us to read, I want us to read this psalm right now. And I want you to see how David's composure changes. It's almost like he rediscovers what his purpose is in the middle of writing this. Watch this. Lord, how my enemies have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, Lord or a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying out to the Lord with my voice and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and I slept. I awoke for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people. Listen, these 10,000s of people he's talking about are the very people that are coming to take his life and the life of his people. Thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, Lord, save me, my God. For you have struck down all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. May your blessing be upon your people. Amen. You know what? I don't worry so much in my life. I don't worry about the resistance I get, those words of discouragement. I don't worry about that when I'm getting resistance, that whether or not I'm in the, the, the will of God. It's when I don't hear the resistance, I don't face the resistance, then I start wondering, whoa, am I... Am I in the right place? 
It's like when you're a little kid and you think you've gotten away with something, you're just like, yep, and all of a sudden mom or dad turn the corner and you're like, ruh row. That's how I feel like it. So we have to, you have to, to, to constantly monitor that. Are we centered in the will of God? Because when we're not facing that resistance, maybe that's a time for me to examine and go, hey, me, did, I, did, I, did I choose popularity over purpose at some point, maybe that last intersection? Did I, did I, choose, um, did I choose give away my calling over comfort at that last intersection? I may need to back up and reread those road signs. Some of these guys did this. Purpose diminishes distractions. It propels us through the pain and, and empowers us to please God. This is the very thing that Moses realizes. He was serving God. There was all sorts of opposition. I mean, he, opposition. He faced it from Pharaoh. He faced it from, uh, from his enemies. He faced it also from his own people who were complaining a lot. Just a lot. And knowing his purpose empowered him to please God. I was sitting... I was sitting at a graduation this past Friday. It's graduation season. They're happening all over the place. And I was sitting at a graduation this last Friday. And I got to the point where the students are walking across the stage. And I started thinking to myself, is my, um, oh man, uh, as my 11-year-old son was sitting next to me, and my oldest son was working in the, the sound booth to the right of me, and I started thinking to myself, when he walks across the stage and all these years later, God, what do you want for his life? God, what do I need to be doing as a parent, as a dad, to make sure I'm getting him ready for what you want him to be like when he walks across that stage? Man, it's a very reflective time, very introspective time in those moments. And I just began to pray, God, whatever it is, show me where I need to change. Show me the dad that I need to become. And I know you guys, a lot of you parents are here and your, your kids have grown up in sports and in the arts and entertainment and those things are great. There's great life lessons learned in that stuff and, and, but I don't want you to make that the priority of their life. Man, we, we, we live vicariously through our, our, our kids sometimes, right? I mean, like our kids are playing something or they're up here performing, they're doing all these things and we're just living through that. I read the stat a few months ago and as I'm reading it, it is life-shocking, so I've had some time to process it. 0.02% of our kids will grow up to play college sports. About 1% will go on to do something in the arts and entertainment. 100% of our kids will stand before a holy God. As parents, what do we need to be doing? to steward them toward the purpose that God has for their life. So I look at these pictures as they develop. You guys turned out pretty good, by the way. I look at this and say, God, what is this going to look like? What is my life going to look like when this picture finishes developing? God is faithful. And you may be here this morning and say, Rob, I, I'm struggling with the small P purposes. And I, I can't even think about the big P purpose yet. It's okay. Because I want to give you permission this morning to do something. I want to give you permission this morning to stop, to go back and look at these pictures. Go back and look at these old snapshots of who you were when God called you. Who you were when you met Jesus. 
what was going on in your life, the passion that's reunited, that's reinvigorated, right? Man, what, what was going on in your life in that moment? I love going back and looking at old snapshots. Reminds me a lot of where I was and helps me reflect on where I am now. I want to give you permission today to go back and look at these old snapshots of your life. Maybe you've lost that big P purpose in your life. Just start with the small P's again. Go back and look at these. Rediscover that purpose. For he is faithful. He began a good work in us, and he's going to be faithful to complete it. Let's pray. Father God, as we come before you this morning, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for your word that that gives us people who have gone before us that we can look at, we can reflect on our lives. God, may we be faithful with the small p purposes that you give us. God, may you continue to, to develop us to be the men and women of God. May these students that are about to embark on this new challenge and journey in their life be able to look back at the snapshot of their life now the decisions they're making now may they reflect and glorify you we pray this in Jesus name